Here we go. You're listening to Email Friday on Law and Gospel on this November the 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and anytime you want to email me something, it's at tombaker at brick.net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot N-E-T. So, we talk a lot about what some theologians call evidential apologetics, that by means of reason, we can show that there is evidence for what we as Christians believe. Well, I don't believe there is. In other words, there's no evidence except the Bible that Jesus was born of a virgin. There's no evidence that he rose from the dead. There's no evidence that, of course, he ascended into heaven. Now, some people will use the Bible to give this as evidence, which is fine. But that's not true evidence. That's scripture interpreting scripture. Is there any item in Christianity that is empirically verifiable? I I think there is, but it's not the gospel. The gospel has to be revealed, and it's impossible to reveal it by reason. Here's what the email says. A number of economic observers believe San Francisco is caught in a doom loop, D-O-O-M-L-O-O-P. The doom loop often starts with a triggering event, often tied to a major industry, such as when manufacturing jobs began evaporating in Detroit during the 1970s. What happens is tax income shrinks, services do also, businesses close, and social disorder rises. This causes residents to leave, commuters and shoppers to bail, and the cycle spirals downward. I lived very close to Detroit, and we were always warned what parts of the city to stay out of because of the danger that would occur. Well, this doom loop is precisely what is happening today in San Francisco. John Kochas, he owns one of the city's most well-known department stores in San Francisco called Gumps, G-U-M-P-S. He paid for an ad space in a print edition of San Francisco's newspaper, The Chronicle, 
to run an open letter. He decried the state and moral decay of the cities downtown. Now, Caucus had a woman applauding his article, Erica Sandberg. And she said it was a way of summing up San Francisco's problem. She said, the city has a quote, let people do whatever they want to problem, she said. I've already told you about the many Walgreens stores that have closed in San Francisco and the ones that remain open have all of their merchandise behind locked cabinets. You can see the merchandise, but you can't touch it until someone opens the cabinet for you. This is because in San Francisco, the police are told not to arrest anyone unless they steal more than $100 from a Walgreens store. So if you steal only $90, you may be taken to court, but you are let go immediately. The city indeed has a let people do whatever they want problem. And that is also in the area of immorality. So here's the question. If people are allowed to do whatever they want, why don't they do good things instead of bad? Why isn't the city of San Francisco a blessed and happy utopia instead of a dark and mangled dystopia? The Babylon Bee, another newspaper, answers this in one of its satire pieces, saying, a newly released port report has revealed that people are following their hearts at record levels with remarkably disastrous results. People are just being true to themselves. Why is everything so terrible? Said lead researcher Tim Scottsdale. He says, it's almost like there is some innate depravity in the heart of man. It's very surprising. Of course, from a Christian worldview, it is not surprising. That's not to say that non-Christians have not noticed the problem. The 18th century philosopher Jean Rousseau diagnosed the issue by saying that we're all born as innocent savages, but we get corrupted by society. Now, the fact escaping Rousseau was that societies are composed of people who he thinks are supposedly born innocent. 
Others turn a blind eye to the problem. Like psychologist Abraham Maslow, who said, as far as I know, we just don't have any intrinsic insects, instincts for evil. And then Carl Rogers stated, I do not find that evil is inherent in human nature. Now, if that isn't absolutely contrary to Christian doctrine, I don't know what is. R.C. Sproul says, if each one of us is really born without a sinful nature and that we are really innocent, how do we account for the universality of sin? If four billion people were born with no inclination to sin, with no corruption to their nature, we would reasonably expect that at least some of them would refrain from falling into sin. But since everybody does it without exception, namely fall into sin, then we begin to wonder why. Theologian Francis Schaeffer labeled our problem man's dilemma. He wrote, man is able both to rise to great heights and to sink to great depths of cruelty and tragedy. Schaefer asked, what hope do human beings have in and of ourselves that we will get any better? Especially when we look at the 20th century as the bloodiest in human history. Well, here we are in the 24th century where our current culture has never preached more about tolerance and morality, and yet it shows less acceptance. In many universities, conservative speakers are yelled down. They're not permitted to speak. There is no acceptance, kindness, and moral respect towards others as we used to have in the past. Novelist Franz Kafka describes our present situation long ago when he said, the state we find ourselves in is sinful, quite independent of guilt. What he's saying is that we are naturally sinful, regardless of our experience in life. It is not life experiences that move us to sin. It is sin within us. The Bible describes us as having a conscience, but what does it say about that conscience? 
in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. It says it is seared, which means it is not acting as God would have it act. When you have people with seared consciences running around doing whatever they want with no objective moral law constraining them, as in San Francisco, you then experience what philosopher L.D. Rue called the madhouse option, which results in complete chaos and society breakdown. The only other choice in a secular-only culture is the totalitarian option. And we've seen how well it plays out. Take a look at the Marxist philosophy as found in Russia, in China, in many other countries, where what is more important than proper morality is making money and being equal to others. Well, that's not the way that God has intended us. We are not the same as all other people. Some people have more riches, better houses, better cars, better jobs, better neighborhoods. But to attempt to do that across the world is impossible because God has a variety of people with different experiences, even within the Christian church. To have a totalitarian option plays a horrifying, brutal culture, which gets worse and worse. C.S. Lewis, he once said, the more cruel you are, the more you will hate. And the more you hate, the more cruel you will become. And so on in a vicious circle forever. That's the kind of doom loop that's occurring in much of the world today. That people hate Bible-believing Christians who tell them how they should behave. Nobody's gonna tell me how to behave. I'm gonna behave the way I want. And therefore, they get to hate us. In fact, it is not at all uncommon that many college students, when they're asked, believe that you can use cruelty and violence to stop people from saying conservative things like what is proper morality, uh, how to live together as man and wife. In the Psalms, David writes, this is Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, 
and in sin my mother conceived me. Jeremiah concurs with David because both are writing the Bible, God's word. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, that being the case, Ephesians 2, 3 says, by nature, we are children of wrath, not children of God. We need to become a child of God. And that does not occur by our works because our works fail. We fall short of the glory of God in our works as an unbeliever. Now, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we begin to do not just good works, but fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that makes the world even angrier. When they see our example, they hate us more because they're trying to defend their lackless love in their life. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, we are dead in trespasses and sins. How did that occur? Well, that occurred when Adam and Eve fell into sin and everyone from Adam and Eve on was born with original sin. Psalm, Psalm 58 verse 3. It says, we went estranged from the womb. John Wesley talks about our condition. Such is the freedom of the will. It's free only to do evil in an unbeliever. Free to drink iniquity like water to wander further and further from the living God and do more despite the spirit of grace. So any honest observer of history would have to concur with Wesley. Maybe this is why Reinhold Niebuhr once remarked, and this is the point, of this program. The doctrine of original sin is the only empirically verifiable doctrine of the Christian faith. What does that mean? You can't verify that Jesus was born of a virgin. You just have the Bible saying it. Now, for me, that's enough of a verifiable doctrine, but it's not empirically verifiable to man's reason. If the Bible was empirically verifiable, then you would just use reason and convince everyone to be a Christian. 
but you can't convince anybody to be a Christian. Instead, you use the word of God and the sacraments for God to adopt someone into the Christian faith. Being a Christian is something that God does. And yet people have the right with their free will to deny what God's word says. So the doctrine of the Christian faith that is verifiably proven is the doctrine of original sin. Find a person in the world that does not sin. And because you cannot, that is the evidence that we are not born as innocent people and then become sinful because of the world. No, we're born as sinful people. And we are looking for a way to receive God's righteousness. Now, we talked about that yesterday. When you receive faith, you do not become righteous. You are declared righteous. That's really different. We use the example of you go to court because you're accused of robbing a bank. But the judge does not believe that there's enough evidence that you robbed the bank. Well, the witnesses say you look like the person who robbed the bank, but there's no fingerprints. There's nothing to prove you were the robber. So what does the judge do? He declares you innocent and you are free to go. Now, what God does is he knows you robbed the bank. He knows you're a sinner. But through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting his promises, God declares you as sinless. And therefore, heaven becomes your home. It's a declaration. Even though you are still a sinner, as a Christian, you are both saint and sinner. But on the day of judgment, God only recognizes you as a saint. It's the one condition, namely original sin, that is constantly in the face of the world with no way of denying it. Now, the biblical antidote for it can cure both San Francisco's doom loop and each one of us. It's Acts 2, verse 40. Be saved from this perverse generation. And that's done by the Holy Spirit granting you faith giving you God's righteousness and the forgiveness of sins. 
which means you are no longer held accountable for your sin. That's what Christianity is all about. That's strong, life-changing medicine. It's proven effective 100% of the time. But few on the left coast of the United States and other places seem willing to down the remedy. Because to down the remedy means you will agree that you are a poor sinful being in need of forgiveness. It's the work of John the baptizer. John the baptizer, his preaching gave all the evidence needed to soldiers as to what was sin. They came to realize that though they conquered a people, it was sinful to take from them their possessions. And therefore, John the Baptist warned against that. In other words, that's what every sermon does. Warns against that which you have come to understand as part of your sinful nature. We really have only one conclusion. It's Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. An end is coming. The end has come. It has awakened against you. Behold, it has come. Your doom has come to you. What is being talked about there is the doom for the unbeliever of an eternal hell. No longer with God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. Great article. That original sin is the only empirically verifiable doctrine of the Christian faith. Join us Monday when we will continue with a study of law and gospel for the following week's readings. I'm Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.